For everybody watching online, we're glad that you're joining us online. My name is Monty. I'm one of the pastors at Meadows Church. And uh, I, uh, I'll tell you, last weekend, Pastor Casey, did Pastor Casey bring the word or did he bring the word? I mean, I'm so proud of Casey. In case you don't know, Casey was part of Meadows Church. And we're launching another church already. So Meadows has only existed for three and a half years, but we're a multiplying church. We don't believe in just, oh, we're going to stay in one place and get big, huge, whatever. We want to grow, but we want to reach people. And the way you reach people is multiplying. So we're starting a, a, a church called Crossover in Bennington in like two months. And Casey's the lead pastor. So we are so excited. So be praying for Crossover Church. Be following them online if you're not. And just... Let's watch what God does in Northwest Omaha. We're super excited. I, uh, but Casey brought the word, and I was gone. My family and I were traveling for my, to my grandmother's funeral. She was nine, almost 97, so praise God. She's in heaven with him. She's not complaining where she is. And we got to celebrate her life. But we traveled to a place. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there are places in the United States that don't have internet yet. I mean, I, we're in 2021. There are, and and you, can, you, could drive, you, could, you could drive up a gravel hill on top of a hill. I mean, not, not that I would do that. But, and then you could get out of your car and get on your car and hold your phone up. And not that I did that. But, uh, and you still would not get internet. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So there, anyway, that has nothing to do with the message. You just need to know that's happening. So um, we traveled and we start telling stories about my grandparents. And uh, all my grandparents are gone now. And, but we start telling these stories and where they live, they live in northern South Dakota. And I remember the, the worry and the anxiety I used to get going to their house. I mean, I loved everything about it except one thing. They lived in a place where rattlesnakes live. So, so they, rattlesnakes actually live up there. And I remember as a kid, even as an adult, I think you'd be scared thinking, what if I run into a rattlesnake? And every summer we would visit, every summer I'd have this huge anxiety, like if I go outside, I'm going to see a rattlesnake. And every summer it was just, it was just false fear because nothing would happen. We'd, we'd, we'd run into some bull snakes, which are big snakes and scary actually, but not a rattlesnake until the year that we did. One summer we're there and my two sisters are down the driveway. They had a long driveway and they're halfway down the driveway and we see them running back up. They're like, oh my gosh, rattlesnake, rattlesnake. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. What, I mean, what do we do? We call 911. Do we stop, drop and roll? I don't know. This is bad. So we, we, my grandpa grabs a gun and my brother jumps in the truck. I, I don't know why I jump in the truck. You think I'd run from it, but I'm not that smart. So I jump in the truck and we're going to go down the driveway to where the rattlesnake is. So we get out of the truck and we're walking towards the field where it is, and I, they're ahead of me because I'm not that dumb. I'm like, you guys go ahead. I'll be fine. So my grandpa's going, and my brother's going, and my sisters are showing us where it is, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm standing back, and I, and I see it. They're pointing, and I can see it all coiled up, and they get closer and closer, and pretty soon they stop, and my grandpa looks at my brother, and they're kind of smiling, and I'm like, why would you be smiling? Well, it well, turns out that, that it wasn't a rattlesnake that was coiled up. It was a cow turd that was toy. Yeah, I mean, we're like poop. We're running from poop. So, I mean, so I, uh, you can't make this stuff up. Seriously, I, I still get my sister's crap about that. We, uh, they were running from a turd. So, anywho, uh, but I remember, you guys, the anxiety and, the, and the, the, the worry that I had about that as a kid. I'm not going to ask if you struggle with worry because I know the world that we live in. I'm not going to ask if you wrestle with anxiety because, again, I know what the world poses and for you, it might not be a rattlesnake down in a field. Um, it, could be, it could be a divorce that you've been through or that you're going through. It could be an addiction that you've overcome, hopefully, or maybe that you're in. It might be a tragedy. 
It could be like, like my, in my grandmother's case, you might, be, might have lost a loved one or you're losing a loved one. A sickness, and it causes you to worry. And I wonder, if in that worry that maybe you feel or that you felt, have you ever had this thought? Where is God in this? Like, God, where are you? Like, I'm reading the, through the Psalms right now with three other guys. We're in this group together. And as I read through the Psalms, it's so crazy because David constantly cries out, God, where are you? Where are you? He's going through all this crazy stuff. And he's struggling. And he keeps crying out to God. And I wonder if you've ever cried out to God and then thought to yourself, God, where are you? And why aren't you doing something? Like, I'm going through this struggle. I, I, th this thing is happening at work. This thing is happening in my, in my soul at night. I can't sleep. Or at night, uh, I cry myself to sleep. And I feel like you're not even there. Like, you don't even do anything. God, where are you at? If you, if you struggle with worry, if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle that you've ever asked yourself that question, well, this message is for you. Uh, there, believe it or not, you're not alone. There are people that walked with God and they struggled with wondering where God was. And they were right next to him. I mean, I'm going to share with you a story. You might be familiar with it. Maybe not. But I, I guarantee you're, you're, you're going to hear it in a way that maybe you've never heard it before. It's a story found in the Gospel of Mark. Mark so the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They start the New Testament. The New Testament begins when Jesus came to earth as a human. That's when it begins. So, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, that's where we're at. So, I mean, you got your Bible or a mobile app, go there. I love when you follow along. I love when you make notes. God's going to speak to you today. Like, God has a word literally for you today. I'm so excited that you're here. So, in Mark 35, you want to talk about, I mean, rattlesnakes have nothing on this story. Listen to this. As evening came... Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although some boats followed. Jesus, he, he tended to have people follow him. They liked what he was doing. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, the, the, this, this storm... They can be sudden, especially in the Sea of Galilee. So the Sea of Galilee, if you don't know, it's a, it's a big, it's not just some little lake, it's big. It's like 13 miles long by 7 miles wide, Very, it's 150 feet deep. And here's the, here's the kicker with the Sea of Galilee. The shoreline is like 680 feet below sea level. The shoreline is. So why do I say all that? Because storms would come out of nowhere. It could be calm and all of a sudden it is what they're in. I mean, out of nowhere. Jody, it, just like that cop came out of nowhere and picked us up for speeding last weekend, just like that. Okay, well, pick, pick Jody up for speeding. She was driving. I'm just saying. I'm just, but I, I'm glad, side note, I'm glad she was driving because somehow the hand of God or the angels that hover over the highway are on her. I don't get it. Like, here's what the cop said. She walks up to the car. I kid you not, kids can testify. She walks up to the car and she says, oh, ma'am, you were speeding, but don't worry, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm just going to give you a warning. I was like, she didn't even, I mean, she, Jody said nothing. I, if that was me, she would walk up and be like, sir, you know what? I'm going to write you two tickets. You know, I'm like, what? You know, I don't. So I love when you drive because it saves us money, but man. So um, back to the story. Jesus, so the storm hit. Now Jesus, Jesus is sleeping in, in the back of the boat. Uh, got his head on a, his favorite cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher. Teacher, they're full of worry. They're full of anxiety. Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Don't you care? God, don't you care? 
that I'm struggling? Don't you care that they're talking about me? Don't you care that, that, that they're gossiping? Don't you care that I'm dying on the inside? Don't you care, Jesus, that we're going to drown? Jesus wakes up. I love Jesus. He rebukes the wind. He speaks to the weather. He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the waves. Silence. Be still. Suddenly the wind stops and there's a great calm. See, some of you, you're desperate for a calm in your life. You can have it. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith, Jesus said. The disciples, they sat there in awe, just like you would and just like I would. They said, who is this man? Like, like even the weather, even the wind and the waves obey him. See, understand something. I don't, I don't, I don't blame the disciples for freaking out. I honestly, I think we would too. Storms are scary, right? As we were gone on our little trip, a storm ripped through the area that we live in. Now, we weren't there to experience it, but we found out about it pretty quick because the neighbors were texting us at 6 in the morning saying, Hey, you got some patio cushions in a different county. Uh, you've got a trampoline mangled across the street in a neighbor's yard. And I'm like, seriously, that's our third trampoline since we've lived here. Okay, God, I get the point. I, trampolines are evil. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. We, and the kids, the kids are like, so are we getting another trampoline? I was like, you know what? Let me think. No, we're not getting another trampoline. Sorry, Ava, that was harsh. But it's true, we're not. So, sometimes you just gotta say it. But can we agree something? In the storm that they were in, is there a safer spot than being next to Jesus? I mean, is there a safer place in the world if you were in a storm? What would give you more security? I mean, is there a better insurance policy than Jesus, right? Jesus Christ is by your side. I mean, it's, you know what his slogan would be. He's there, so up to this point, understand the disciples had heard a lot from Jesus. He, he taught them a lot. Um, they, they, they'd heard about faith. They'd heard about peace. They'd hear about love. But here's the, here's the thing. Now it's time to put the parables into practice. See, now it's time. See, uh, when we take the sermon from Sunday, see, our life isn't going to change just by sitting here. Our life will change when we take what we hear today and we apply it to Monday and Tuesday. That's what, that's what they're about to do. That's what they have to do. Jesus said, I've been training you. I've been teaching you. Now what are we going to do? So one of my favorite scriptures, I'll take a side note here. One of my favorite scriptures, if you struggle with worry or anxiety, lean into this. This is my absolute favorite when it comes to anything. Philippians 4, 6. Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Okay. But instead pray about everything. I mean, just think about that statement. It, it, is, it, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's not. Like, like, raise your hand. Give me a hand raise emoji if you've worried at all over the last year. Okay? Yes! Yeah! I mean, if your hand didn't go up, you were either heavily medicated or you're lying. Okay? I, we worry. We, I do. I mean, I've got a 16-year-old daughter who is driving alone for the first time this week. I've had some worry. I've gone to God. Father, you keep her safe. And if she does something dumb, Jesus, you take the wheel. Literally, take the wheel. Okay? I just... So, so listen to this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, because he cares, and thank him for all he's done. That can seem so remedial, but I tell you what, it's maybe one of the most prolific things you'll ever hear in the word of God. 
Talking to God. Listen to me. Anybody who struggles with worry or anxiety, I'm going to give you a huge, a huge nugget right now. Talking to God is the first step in victory over worry. It is the first step. It is so easy to say it. I laid there last night in bed thinking about the message, a little bit anxious about the message, and I'm literally, I had to force myself to do what I'm preaching. I'm like, okay, maybe I should talk to God about it. I mean, we think about it, but do we do it? Do you do it? So, so talking to God is the first step. And I've said this before, but worry, you know what worry is, right? Worry is us playing something in our mind. Like we talk to ourselves about things we can't even control, things we can't change. That's worry. But prayer, prayer, that's talking to God about things that he can change. Big difference. Huge difference. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. What if I told you this? I am going to tell you this because it's a fact. Your prayers unlock God's promises. Okay? Your prayers unlock God's promises. Well, pastor, what do you mean they unlock God's promises? Like, aren't God's promises true? Yeah, God's promises are always true. But aren't God's promises for all people? Yep, God's promises, they're, they're, he loves everybody. He created everybody. His promises are true. Do they all get fulfilled? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you know how many promises are sitting up there locked up in a vault? They're locked, they're not automatic. Well, God's promises are, they're not automatic. They, they're true, but they're not automatic. See, see, you have to cooperate with the Spirit of God to, to experience the promises of God. And this is what so many people miss. Well, God's promises, if it happens, it's not up. God wants his promises to come true. That's why he gave his promises. So many people miss this. Your prayers unlock God's promises. Don't take my word for it. Listen to the scripture. Let's keep going. Remember, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Verse 7. Then, say then. In other words, if you do all this, then I will do this. If you do this, then I will unlock the vault. I will open it up and my promises will go forward and they will be fulfilled. That's what he's saying. Then you will experience God's peace. Well, why, aren't, why, why am I not experiencing the peace of God? Why am I so riddled with worry? Why am I so riddled with struggle? Are you, are you talking to God? Are you praying? Do you tell God what you need? Everything, right? I love it. Pray about, uh, um, tell God, what, what does it say? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. In other, I love everything. God cares about every detail of your life. Are you doing that? Because the promise is when you do, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. See, I want that peace. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, so what if you're not doing the things before the then? It means that your, heart is, your heart's vulnerable. It means your heart's not guarded. It means your heart is, is going to get attacked. It means your heart is not defending itself. This is how crucial it is for you to talk to God, for you to be vulnerable with God, for you to tell God everything going on. And then, of course, for you to thank God. Because no, you know what? We all have something to be thankful for. All the time. I'm good about going to God with my problems. But God, am I, am I good about thanking you? You know, Ava, I pray about your driving, but I thank God that I don't have to take you places anymore. Thank God. See, God, thank you. I mean, I love that part of it. So thank God your prayers unlock God's promises. You do your part, God will do his. You want to experience the peace? It isn't up to God, it's up to you. It really is up to you. you it, it's in your court is how I could put it. And let me, let me ask you something. Were the, were the disciples experiencing that? 
when the storm hit? It didn't sound like it to me. It, it, it sounded like they were experiencing the opposite of that. Like, I could picture it. Jesus is having his siesta on the back of the boat. Andrew and Thomas are kind of hanging out looking at the weather. And all of a sudden, the, the rain just starts to pelt down. And Andrew's like, oh my gosh, it's really coming down. Whoa! The boat is starting to shake a little bit. Thomas! Thomas, do you think Peter packed the life jackets? And Thomas is like, I doubt it. You know, I was doubting. So Thomas is like, I'm doubting. Andrew's like, Peter! Peter, did you pack the life jackets? Peter's like, no! I told John to do it. He's the responsible one, you know? So, so Peter didn't do it. So then Andrew's like, Thomas, go wake up Jesus. Thomas is like, I might doubt, but I'm not dumb. You wake him up. You know, I, I just, I don't know how it went down, but I can imagine the first thing they said to Jesus, do you remember what it was? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? I mean, they've convinced themselves that they're dead. Do you hear it? They didn't say, don't you care that we might drown? Don't you care that we, we might get hurt? They said, don't you care? We're, we're dying. No, not, not we're dying. You know what they said? We're going to die. And, and you don't even care. That was their statement. Do you see what worry does to us? Jesus didn't say it. I'm sure Jesus is thinking, who told you that? Who told you you're going to drown? I mean, I told you we're going, we're going to the other side of the lake. Who, what are you, who are you listening to? It, it's insane. But worry, this, see, worry always assumes the worst. When you start to worry and you start to get anxious, your mind will go down a road that, I mean, it'll take you places that scare most people, scares you. I, a few weeks ago, my son Jake and I were playing catch in the backyard. And it was awesome. We get done and we go inside. And as I'm walking up the hill to go inside, my left heel in my foot just starts to hurt out of the blue. I'm like, is this what it means to get old? I, I hate it. So I, I'm walking and I, I, my foot is getting worse and worse. So I get inside and, and pretty soon I can't even put pressure on it. I'm like, what is happening to my foot? I'm like, I didn't do anything to it. So I'm sitting there worried about my foot. And all of a sudden, my, 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 on my, my back, the left side of my back starts to hurt. I'm like, what is happening right now? I said, my foot hurts, my back hurts. Later on, I kid you not, I'm laying in bed and it hurts right here. And I'm like, I've got cancer. I got cancer. And you might be thinking, what kind of cancer impacts just the left side of your body? I have no idea. I'm not a doctor, but I had it. So... I didn't have it. I, I don't have cancer. But my mind, it's, isn't it crazy the, 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 the holes that we go down in our mind and we convince ourselves? They were convinced they're dead. They're, they're in a boat with the, the, the king of the world, the one who created the world. And their statement to him is, we have no hope. I don't care if you're here or not. We're going to die. Not we might. We're drowning. And you don't care. That's the statement. Think of how crazy worry makes us. Our, our anxiety, our worries, nuts. Worry, I wrote it down. Worry causes wrong thinking and wrong feelings. It did in me. It maybe does in you. Worry causes wrong thinking and wrong feelings. But prayer, say prayer. Prayer, prayer puts the focus back on God's power. See, when you focus on the power of God, you will experience the promises of God. I'll say it for somebody in the back. Your prayer unlocks God's promises. All day long it will. They will. You just got to go to God. It's amazing how much as a pastor I can talk about prayer. And I have to literally tell myself, okay, Monty. You need, like this morning I'm driving here. Okay, come on, pray. pray. It's, it's, there's something that, that holds us back sometimes. Jesus. 
He, what is he known as? He's known as the Prince of Peace, right? So you got Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the giver of peace. So what, and he's the one who is light, right? It says he's the light of the world. So it, for every positive, for every reaction over here, there's something over here. So if Jesus is the light of the world, you have the enemy, the devil. He's the prince of darkness, right? So Jesus is, is, is all about peace. Well, that, you know what that means the devil is? The devil's all about chaos. He loves chaos. He loves disruption. He loves disarray. He loves dis disorganization. He thrives in that. He, he, he loves that kind of chaotic. Now understand something. He's in it, but he's not always the culprit. I always say, there's always the people that, well, the devil, the devil's got me. Devil's got my finances all jacked up. I'm in debt. Devil's messing with me again. Okay, is it the devil? Or is it the fact that the Amazon Prime driver spends more time at your house than you do? Okay, he gets his mail there. I don't, you know, so don't, it is the devil, but he, you know, you got something, you got skin in the game too. Um, what I need you to know is this, and this is, the t this is part of the title of the message. Some of you, you're living in chaos right now and you know who you are. You can have peace in the middle of your chaos. See, the chaos probably is never going to go away. In the world that we live in, do you think it's going to go away? No. It'll probably get worse. But I came to tell somebody you can have peace in the middle of your chaos. I came to tell somebody that today we can put a stake in the ground and say we're not going to allow the chaos around us to cause us to, to lose sight of the Christ who is in us. That's what you need to know. I wrote it down. Talk to Jesus. I kept writing it. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus in your chaos and he will give you peace. Talk to Jesus in your chaos and he will give you peace. Most people, we hear it and, and we think about it, but are you talking to Jesus? Oh, there's power in that. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should not be shocked when the chaos hits you. You shouldn't be like, over. oh my gosh, here's another storm. Here's difficulty. Jesus said, expect it. It's persecution is coming in one form or fashion or another. And if you've listened to maybe a, piece, a, a pastor or a preacher or anybody that says, you know what? You accept Jesus and you're good to go. You're, gonna, you're just going to be flying high and you'll have no problems. Okay, what I would tell you is, okay, they are lying. Okay, that is not true. That is so far from true. You're going to have trouble. But because of Jesus, you can have peace in the trouble. You can have peace in the chaos. This is what I want you to know. This is what God wants you to know. I believe it with all of my heart. But, but, but chaos, storms are going to happen. Jesus allowed the, the wind, right? Didn't he? Jesus allowed the waves. He allowed it to happen. He knew they were going into a storm. My God, we're go you're going to face barriers before you experience a breakthrough. You will, but the tidal waves that are coming are a training ground to get you to where God wants to take you. That's what you need to do. You can't give up in the boat. You can't give up in the storm. You've got to keep going. Jesus, the moment they talked to Jesus, everything was better. Isn't that crazy? And what they said was insane. We're going to die, Jesus, and you don't give a crap. And Jesus stands up and he's like, I rebuke all this. And boom, there's peace. And how did it happen? They talked to Jesus. They spoke to the king. He is, he, he's the answer. He's the author and perfecter of peace. It's so key that we get this. 
And Jesus, Jesus didn't just save them, okay? Jesus, in that boat, in that moment, in that storm, Jesus was teaching them. Jesus was preparing them. Jesus was, was, was guiding them. What if I told you that in the story that maybe so many people have heard, oh, the storm in the boat and Jesus, cal Jesus calms everything. The storm isn't even this plot. It's not even the center of the story. It isn't. So many people think it is. What did Jesus first say when, when the story began? He said, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. He said nothing about the storm, nothing about his nap, nothing. He, nothing because that wasn't the, the center of the story. Don't, so we get so focused on the storm, we lose sight of the goal. And that's what the devil wants you to do. What was the goal? Jesus said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Why, Jesus? Why are you going to the other side of the lake? You know why? Because someone there needed Jesus to calm the chaos in them. This, this is huge. The storm isn't the issue. It, it never was. It, it, God was teaching them. Jesus was showing them. Preparing them because on the other side of the lake, there was a man there, just one man. Jesus, you would put us all in harm's way for one guy? Well, everyone matters to Jesus. He'll leave the 99 for the one every time. So he goes across the lake, and you can, I'm not going to read the story to you. You read the story this week. You read the story after Mark, Mark 4. I'll give you a synopsis. The guy was messed up. He had issues upon issues upon issues. Chaos upon chaos, worry, anxiety. Everything was wrong with this guy. And Jesus spoke to him, touched him, and everything became right with him. So, so here's what's crazy. The guy, when he got touched by Jesus and set free by Jesus, you know what he does? He does the same thing that you and I would do naturally. We want to stay with Jesus. Jesus, I kind of like being with you. You're nice to me. When you touch me, I get, I get well. So, so the guy literally wants to get in the boat with Jesus. Hey, where are we going next? I, I'm in. You know what Jesus told the guy who was all jacked up? He said, no, no, no. You ain't coming with. He said, I need you to go. Say, go. I need you to go. And I need you to tell others, just like you. You tell them what the Lord has done for you. You tell them what I have done for you. This is what he says. You go. You can't stay with me. You can't just sit on the shoreline anymore. No more just listening to the sermon on the shoreline. Eventually, we've got to go. You've got to get in your boat and go to the other side of the lake and reach the people that God's called you to reach. This is what he said. And the guy could say, my God, I'm a mess. I was just, you saw me over there cutting myself and swearing and cursing. And, but Jesus said, no, but now you've met me. But I'm still, yeah, yeah, you're still, you still got issues, but you've met me. So you need to go now. And you need to reach somebody else. You need to go to the other side because there's people on the other side who are dying, hurting, desperate, lonely, discouraged, addicted, and dead on the inside. You're going to go after the one. That's what he said. Sir, you're going to go after your one. Because the one matters. You all have a one. Somebody you know. It's somebody you know. It's a coworker. It's a friend. It's a family member. It's a spouse. It's a child. It's, some, it's an ex. It's somebody, I guarantee you. And you know, you may not like them, but I guarantee Jesus Christ loves them. And, and, and the only Jesus they may ever see, if you have Christ in you, is you. The one he says, nope, you can't go. You can't go. I, Meadows, it's, we're such a weird church. We got people calling from jail all the time. I mean, I would, we're just attracted to the jail. So, but, but you know why? It's because people that are jacked up in jail, they get touched by somebody from Meadows, and they start just spewing about it in the jail. So I've got a guy who's been calling me, um, and 
I've talked a little bit about him before, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit more of the story. He, uh, he's, he's, he's been in jail for, for over a year. He hopefully will be out later this year. He has, he has found Christ, and, uh, and he's, he's trying to figure things out. So he calls me, and I encourage him, and I pray with him, and he's getting it. I, I'm watching God work in his life. And, and it's amazing. And, he's, and here's what I tell him, because he's focused on, he's focused on, okay, well, I'm going to get out. And I said, I know, you're going to get out. God's good. He's getting you out. We, we know that. But I said, Dustin, you, you got work to do today. I said, you have a captive audience today. I said, you've got Christ in you today. You, you are in a place where there is no peace. There is chaos everywhere. There is crazy everywhere. There, there, there is there is. There's people like that gentleman on the other side of the lake everywhere. And you have a light that's shining in you. God, don't waste the light. Don't wait till you get it all figured out because you'll never have it all figured out. I said, you start ministering to them, those men today. So he's leading a Bible study and more people are coming. And I keep having to encourage him because, he, 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 I mean, he's in the pen. You'd be discouraged too. But I keep telling him, you've got this. You've got a ministry. I think his ministry is bigger than our ministry right now. I mean, he's got such a captive audience. He can't go, they're not going anywhere. Like, I can't, I want to lock you in here, but I can't. They would arrest me. So, but they can't go anywhere. And he is, so I keep reminding him, your ministry's today. And, and, and for somebody here, you've been waiting for something to turn around in your life. Oh, and then I'm going to start to serve, or then I'm going to start to invite, or then I'm going to start to love like Jesus. Why would you wait? If you wait till your life is all together, I mean, let's be honest. Is your life going to be all together? All together? Mm -mm. It never will be. But that's what the devil wants you to believe. Oh, once you, once you get the debt paid off, then you can help somebody else. Oh, once you get your relationship figured out. I mean, it helps to kind of know what you're doing, but don't wait. I, I don't know who this is for, but I, I feel like somebody you survived a sickness, and now God is calling you to help somebody else heal and nurse. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, maybe you've dealt with or you've overcome unfaithfulness in a relationship and now you're going to help somebody else forgive in theirs. Well, what if that's the case? We talk about debt. Maybe you've climbed out of a mountain of debt and you're going to show someone else how they can do the same. Maybe today you're clean and sober for the first time in forever and you're going to show somebody else the same hope that you have found in Jesus. You're going to show them that freedom. You're going to show them that Jesus... You can do it. He's doing it in jail. He's locked up. He's like a Paul and a Silas in jail preaching the word of God. And lives are changing. Man, what, what hope have you given up on? What storm? I wrote down this. What storm? What storm is causing you to give up hope? Is it what we just talked about? Is it your debt? Is, is it a relationship? Is it, is it a struggle, a trial? Is the divorce, maybe you're single and you're alone and you feel it. You walk in here and you try to have a smile on your face and play the part, but deep down you're desperate and you're lonely. You, oh, your marriage, dysfunctional, messed up. Yeah, on the outside it looks good and you got people fooled in your neighborhood and on Facebook, but that doesn't matter because you know deep down it's dead. Maybe, you, maybe you're desperate to have a kid. You want to have a child. And, and you're, remember, where is God? God, where are you? We're, we're taking all the steps. I love you. I worship you. But they have one and they have one. They don't even deserve it. They didn't even want a kid. And they have a kid. And we can't conceive a child. Will I ever graduate? Will the business that I'm scared to start, it's going to fail anyway. I just believe it, God. I don't know what to do. And you know, 
regardless of the area that you're in, you know what Jesus would say to you? I'm convinced of this. You know what he would say? Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? The storm wasn't the issue. Remember what they said? We're going to die. You don't care, Jesus. The storm wasn't the issue. Their unbelief was the issue. Their unbelief caused fear. Hey, you see where it's going? Their unbelief caused fear, and the fear caused them to doubt. And all of a sudden, the fear got them to believe that their king, their master, their teacher, the one who was perfect, it, it, it warped their mind so much, they were convinced he didn't care for them. You hear what he, don't you care? That's what they said. We don't even think you care. We're going to die and you don't care. And Jesus is like, all I've ever done is love you. All I've ever done is walk with you and teach you and lift you up. But this is what, this is what our mind will do. Your problem isn't the issues that I, that I laid out. The problem is always here. It starts here. Where are you not trusting God? Where are you not believing in Jesus? Their issue wasn't the storm. Their issue was the unbelief in their heart. We got to talk to Jesus in the chaos. He'll give you peace. The Last Supper, Jesus is talking to them before his, I mean, his final teaching to the, to the 12. I love, you guys hear me talk about the Last Supper all the time. I think, I think it's one of the most crazy situations ever. That, that here's a guy who's going to be dead in a day. Dead. And he knows it. And not just dead, but I'm talking gruesome, horrible, disgusting death. And he knows it. And here's what he says. All calm to the fellas. This is Jesus, John 14, 27. He speaks to the disciples. He says, you know what? I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Jesus, how can you even talk about peace? They're gonna, they're gonna like nail you to a cross, Jesus. I leave you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. See, the peace I give, the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You won't find it in the world. You won't find it online. You won't find it at Amazon. You won't find it through somebody else. You can only find it through him. So don't be troubled or afraid. So like when the recession hits, you know, or the relationship breaks, or the sickness sets in, or you don't get the job, and everything falls apart, you can still have peace. Why? Because Jesus is the peacemaker. And Jesus is the peacekeeper. And Jesus is your sustainer. Jesus is your redeemer. Jesus is your strong tower. Jesus is your salvation. It's Jesus, he's the one who gives it. He wants to give it to you. What he wants to do through you. What he wants to do through you. It's not just about you, because Jesus wants to work through you. But he can't work through you until we settle some things here. Until you get some things right. And you start believing the way he wants you to believe so he can use you the way he wants to use you. Miracles are messy. Everyone wants the miracle and no one wants the mess. You know, Jesus, after he talked about peace, he was betrayed. So they have the meal, they go into the garden, he prays to the Father, he tells God all what he needs, and he thanks the Father for all the Father has done. Well, how'd that turn out? Well, he leaves the garden, gets arrested, beaten, spit on, mocked, and then crucified. Miracles are messy. You're thinking my life's a mess. You know what? Mine can be too. 
But what does God want to do in your mess? What does God want to do in your, what, what miracle does he want to do in your life? See, the cross was disgustingly messy. So, so the story, they nailed Jesus to the cross after he talked about all oh, peace and all, oh, it's just, you know, so calm. It wasn't calm. It wasn't peaceful. It was horrendous. So, so Jesus is nailed to the cross, dead on a cross. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is dead. Why? Because we're a mess. Because we screw up. And so many people, I think the problem is we, 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 we pray a prayer, but we don't do anything else. You know, we, 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 we believe in the story, but we don't, it's, it's not personal. We haven't surrendered our lives to the story. We have, the, it, the, it, there's still this unbelief. There's still this, I don't know. It's what the disciples had in that boat. But Jesus came to give you belief. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to give you peace despite what's going on around you. So he dies on a cross for your sins and my sins. Takes them away if we let him, if we allow him to, if we ask him to, to forgive us. And he makes us new. How? Because he became new. After he was on a cross, they took him down, they put him in a tomb. Miracles are messy. It was a mess. And they shove him in the tomb. And then the miracle comes. Three days later, something happened that nobody thought would happen. On the third day, Jesus Christ was no longer dead. Yeah, you can clap. On the third day, Jesus Christ was alive. He was raised from the dead for you and for me. The greatest miracle in history. Online, I hope you're screaming at home. I hope you're screaming in your car. I don't know, it will never get old. My king died for me and then he rose. And because he was alive, there's proof. If he's alive, that means there, my, my life won't end. I will, I will live forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. That's what the Bible says. And the only way I can live in heaven is by being good. Wrong. The only way I'm going to get to heaven is by, by memorizing scripture. Wrong. It's not, it's not bad to be good. It's not bad to memorize scripture. It just doesn't save you. The grace of God through your faith saves you. When you believe that Jesus Christ was dead and then alive, and you call on his name, you will be saved. And can you imagine? So the Bible says when he rose from the dead, check it out. I can't believe you're yawning. I'm going to wake you up right now. Check this out. She's like, he called me out. I will call you out. You're in the spit zone. I can't believe. How can you sleep in the spit zone? Dang. <laughs> now I got to stare at you. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'll give you a break. All right, so... Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, he appeared to the Mary Magdalene first, and then the disciples, and then to hundreds of other people, he appeared to them. So can you imagine what they said? No one expected him to rise from the dead, by the way. That's another story. So, so all of a sudden he's alive, and I bet they're like, oh my gosh, you're the, who are you? Who is this man? Remember what the disciples said? Remember what the disciples said in the boat when he, when he spoke to the weather? Remember what they said? Who is this man? He's Jesus. I'll tell you who he is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the first and he is the last. He is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. He's your wonderful counselor. He's your mighty God. He's your everlasting Father. He is your Prince of Peace. We need that. Give him a shout. Jesus, calm the chaos. Calm the struggle. So, the, that grace, you can't earn it, by the way. 
It's a gift that we don't deserve. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But he loves us that much. And he gives it freely. Look up here. He sees you right now. He chooses you right now. He loves you right where you're at right now, regardless of what you've done. He loves you the same. This is, the grace of God is crazy. I wrote it down this way, and I've said this before. Grace is this. Jesus says, you know what? You're so messed up. I'll, I'll take it all on myself. Give me all your crap, all your struggle, all your sin. Even that thing you did this morning or last night, I'll take it. And then I'm going to give you credit for everything I've done right. I've done a lot right. I'm Jesus. And he said, I'll, I'll give it all to you. It doesn't seem fair. It's like we're cheating. Ava, it's like you took the driver's exam test. Or no, you had someone else take it for you. And then you got the driver's license. Now, God, I hope that didn't happen. But if it did, that would be like God's grace. It's like cheating. It's like Jesus says, here you go. It's a gift from me to you. The last scripture, and we close. Because I think this sums it up as I prayed over you this week. Romans 5.1. When you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't be perfect, but in God's eyes, you will be because Christ lives in you. Does that make sense? So when he looks at you, he doesn't see the sin. He doesn't see the, the, whatever, the addiction. He doesn't see the abortions. Instead, you know what he sees? He sees his son, Jesus. That's what the grace of God will do. So Jesus looks at you, or God looks at you, and he sees his son. It says, Romans 5, 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God. So we've been made right because of the cross and the empty tomb. And because of that, I can have peace. Because, because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. Your peace will never be based on what you have. It'll never be based on where you live or what you own. It's always going to be based on who you know. It's not based on your surroundings. It's based on your Savior. That's great news. So this is what we're going to do. I'd like the prayer team to come up. I'm going to pray for you. And, and we'll dim the lights when I'm done. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll have some music. And you can worship a little bit. I, I pray you'll come up and pray with us. Because you, the whole context, remember? Your prayer unlocks God's promises. Why would you leave here with God's promises locked in a vault? Why would you do that? Don't do that. Your prayer unlocks God's promises. I'm going to pick some prayer team members if they don't start coming. Anyway, so prayer team, you come on up here. There they are. <laughs> Scott's like, dang, he'll call me out. So they're going to come, they're going to come up, and I'm going to pray. Look up here. You don't have to live in worry anymore. You don't have to live in anxiety anymore. We should make a pact. Less social media. God, less social media. More Jesus. It, it, it takes, it, it steals our joy. It steals what God has for you. Let's focus on the king. He gives peace no one else can give. He gives love no one else can give. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, today we declare we no longer have to be worried or afraid because Jesus, you offer a peace the world cannot give. Today, we're asking that that peace guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. God, I lift up every one of your sons or daughters here today that wrestle with depression, anxiety, worry. They have no place in the house of God. This is, this is where your truth comes. This is where your peace comes. This is where your love comes. God, for people that need to call on your name, 
as they watch and listen um, online, I pray that they will message us or type, I choose Jesus in the comments so we can walk with them and show them what it means to truly surrender everything to you. For people in the room, they'll make decisions on cards. They'll write prayer requests down so our prayer team can pray. They'll flood the stage when I'm done so we can lift them up. We want to unlock the promises of the King because life is short and we get one shot to make a difference. And God, for the ones in our lives who are desperate and dying, after we leave here, church begins. May we go after them. May we invite them. What if they need this message? May we share it with people that struggle in this area. Whatever we can do to, to spread the word of God, to, to spread the peace of God, to spread the hope of God, let us do it. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the empty cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. It's, he's the only reason we have peace, the only reason we have hope, and the only reason we, we can have eternal life. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being in the boat with us. We believe that in you, Father, the best is not only yet to come, but the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.